On today's episode of the podcast, we have a segment of Ask Rachel. I start off by giving you a little update into my sleep situation, which was so very intense last week. And I also share a bit about the very emotional journey of deciding to close our beloved studio down after seven years of serving the community. It's been a big week for me. And then I answer some really cool questions from you. I talk about CBD and how that's a really important tool that I use for my well-being all the time. I answer a question around the single most important thing to prepare for when you are pregnant about to have a baby. I talk about using my intuition when it comes to making decisions and share a bit about what my yoga practice looks like today. Today really brought a tapestry of questions and it was so beautiful to talk to you as always. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Let's jump in. We are back. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome, welcome. It's time for a brand new episode of From the Heart with your forever host, Rachel Brayton. I uh, I want to start off by just saying thank you for the massive amounts of love that I received from last week's podcast episode where I shared a bit of this sort of dark night of the soul that I've been going through and dealing with sleep deprivation and anxiety and just being in a pretty dark place for a while. I uh, feel so seen and so heard. So many of you took the time to send me emails and write me DMs and just to share that you resonate and that you're in a similar place or that you remember what it's like to be in that place. And I just, I feel so much less alone. And um, yeah, I want to sit here and say things are so much better and amazing. They are better, but they're not good. (laughs) Things are better, but they're still pretty bad. Last night, I think we were awake every 30 minutes or at least every hour. Last night was a weird night. Dennis and I watched, okay, I almost don't want to mention the name of this movie because I really don't want any of you to watch it. 
And some of you out there have that kind of like masochistic tendency that I also have when I hear of something truly terrible and I'm like, oh, I want to see that. <laughs> it's this movie called Society of Snow, which is a true story about a plane crash that happened in the Andes in 1970s and where they just, they crash in this massive mountain range in the middle of the snow and just... Yeah, I'm not going to go further than that, but I, I can pretty safely say that it is maybe the most captivating thing I have seen in years. I couldn't stop watching. I could not go to bed. And I knew, like, I have a baby over there. Like, I need to just get all the sleep I can get. There is no possible way for me to, to go to bed and finish the movie the next day. I, I, I was, like, on the edge of my seat for every second of this movie, disgusted filled with just anxiety, overwhelm. It was just so, and impossible to look away. It was so horrible and captivating at the same time. And so yeah, don't watch it, but you should definitely watch it, but don't watch it. If you watch it, I suggest you watch it like early in the day when there's light out, preferably from like a tropical location. If you can just like go ahead and manifest that for yourself. But yeah, it's, it's this whole, it, the whole thing unfolds in the snow and in the ice. And and uh, I went to bed after that and then Bear was awake like every 30 minutes. So I couldn't really just fall asleep, you know. And then I had the images of this story of this movie just playing in my head. And I would doze off and then wake up feeling really cold. And then I thought, okay, well, I'm like channeling this movie where they're just in the snow for two months straight. Like it's this crazy movie. That's why I'm feeling cold. And then I realized, no, I'm really cold. And I'm like starting to shiver. So I, I thought, wait, do I have a fever? Am I getting sick? What's going on? And then I went to look at the thermometer and it was freaking 15 degrees Celsius in the house or in the bedroom, which is like 50 something degrees Fahrenheit, 58, 59 degrees Fahrenheit, like really cold, not freezing cold, but way too cold for a bedroom with a baby. And then the power had gone out and we have this like heating system in the top floor of our house. Something happened, it, it, like the outdoor unit became covered in ice because the weather here is really crazy and really cold and so much snow that yeah, we just lost all the heating in the house and slowly just temperatures were dropping and I was like lying there shivering not understanding what was happening because I was replaying this ice cold movie in my brain <laughs> and I had to wake Dennis up at like three in the morning like hey it's freezing like what are we gonna do do I wake bear up to like bundle him up in something like what do we yeah we all have to get dressed and then he yeah he managed to like get the heating back on and anyway I didn't sleep all night it was a really truly terrible night and then <laughs> had this in the morning, like I told Dennis when he woke up at three, I said, I have not slept yet. I, I feel like I'm not going to sleep all night. Can you please take the baby when you wake up and just don't disturb me because my level of sleep is so poor that if I have to get up and like close a door or get up and go to the bathroom, I'm awake and I can't go back to sleep. So I have to just force myself to stay lying in bed, you know, covers over my head and just, you know, that's the only way I can get a few hours of sleep in the morning. And then he went in this morning, like at 6.30 or 7, when Bear woke up, took him really quietly, went downstairs, took Leia, got Leia ready for school. And then the whole time, I can kind of hear them, like from downstairs, and I could hear Bear making cute noises. And I was like half awake. And then I had this thought, like, wait, 
Like, what if what if Dennis doesn't know he has to feed Bear? Like, Bear eats breakfast now. Like, does he know, like, what exactly to give him? Because he, I don't think he's done that on his own before. And then I start thinking, wait, like, he was drooling a lot. Is he going to change his shirt before he puts him to bed in the stroller outside in the freezing cold? And my brain starts going. And then I'm like, okay, I have this option, too, where I get up and tell Dennis all these things. Or I just let go. Like, he's a dad. He can figure it out. Just let go and go to sleep. So I let go and I go to sleep and then I have this bizarre dream. It was so vivid and so it felt so absolutely real. And it was just a massive nightmare where <laughs> we were at home. I come downstairs and every inch of our floors of this entire house and we have these unstained, like kind of unoiled. They're not waxed are the, the, the floorboards of the house. Um, so if you drop something on the floor, like say you drop a blueberry, there's going to be a blueberry stain there forever. It's a really beautiful floor and the floor in the kitchen looks horrible because of spills and things. It's like very unpractical and terrible for a family with kids. And in my dream, <laughs> there was baby food covering every inch of every floor board of the entire house. But there was like different colors, baby food, like pureed food, even though Bear doesn't even really eat like purees. So there was like pear puree all over the kitchen. And then there was beet puree, like he just left Bear with beets in his hands. And Bear was just crawling all over the living room floor where we have these like white couches and the white carpet. And it was just beet stains everywhere. And it was just chaotic. And I come downstairs and I'm just in shock at like the mess, the whole house is destroyed. And that from Dennis having not paid attention to Bear, like he was like, he didn't have control over Bear. <laughs> I go downstairs and I'm like, what, what is going on? And Dennis goes, yeah, I'm going snowboarding. Um, I'll be back in a couple of days. Bye. <laughs> then he takes his snowboard and boards a bus outside of our house. And I'm standing there like on the porch holding a baby covered in food. The whole house is destroyed. Leia is in the background like not needing something, but I couldn't like get to her. It was just this horrible dream. And Dennis just boards this bus and goes. And I realized like I like I'm I'm not going to make it like I'm going to die like this. Yeah, no. And then Dennis came in like I woke up a little bit. He came in. He's like, hey, honey, are you Okay. Oh, rough night, huh? And he like comes to give me a hug. And I'm and I go, excuse me, I am so mad at you for what you did to me in my dream. Like I'm so upset. And I was really upset with him for what he did to me in that dream for like two hours. <laughs> it lingered. Even though in real life the house was very clean, bear was fed and dry, and everything was great. <laughs> like, have you ever had a dream like that where someone does something awful and you just you're just angry at them, even though it was just the dream version of them. <laughs> so bizarre. But I really feel like that dream just like kind of encapsulates how I feel about most of life right now. I feel like things things are a little bit out of control. I feel very overwhelmed. And even when I get help, which I am getting so much help from Dennis now, I'm getting a lot more help than, yeah, the last few weeks, months where he was just yeah, he didn't understand, I think, how bad things things were. Now he's really taking the time. He's really helping me. He's really checking in and how am I doing and how I sleep. He's like safe, like basically safeguarding my sleep. He's so helpful. And still I have this feeling like I yeah, I'm like I'm so overwhelmed. Like I can't <laughs> can't keep my shit together. And then why did I sit down to watch that stupid movie last night? Yeah, big deep regrets. 
But um, aside from aside from that, like if I zoom out a little bit away from the the urgent sleep situation, things are really beautiful over here. And when I was sharing last week, I couldn't really talk about anything aside from sleep because it really is like if you're starving and you, you don't have food to eat, you're not going to be able to talk about or think about anything but food um, like the people did in the movie last night. <laughs> if you're thirsty, you don't have water you're not going to be able to think or talk about anything else other than water. If you're not sleeping, you're not going to be able to think or talk about anything other than sleep. Like these are just basic human needs. And last week, I really was in that place where there that was it. I was in the hole. And now I feel like, okay, we're, we're, things are getting a little bit better. I am a little bit more energized. Bear is sleeping a little bit in his crib. I feel like we're on a better trajectory anyway, even though things, sleep is still is still bad. But I can tell things are better because I have a lot of energy to talk about and think about other things. And even spent some time this week, I'm, I'm kind of scared to talk about it, but manifesting a new little project that I have in mind and suddenly feeling inspired to go create stuff and all of a sudden, I want to I wanna make a vision board for the year. I normally don't do that. I, I've, I've done years ago, but that's not really part of my New Year's, like my intention setting and stuff. I'm not a big vision board person, but I suddenly felt this huge urge to do that and to map out these big like business ideas and projects and things that all of a sudden that I really want to do. And I feel so inspired to teach this week. I think that comes from, if you follow me online, you've probably seen, seen this already, but we decided or had to make the decision finally after a long time of, yeah, a long time of going back and forth, we decided to close Island Yoga, to close the studio in Aruba. And uh, it's been very emotional, like a roller coaster of emotions and I've been sitting with these videos and photos and just of all the really beautiful, amazing times we had in groups and retreats at the studio. And all of a sudden, I feel this huge urge to teach again. So that's something really positive that came with that. Um, just closing that chapter as I realized I actually have all of this motivation and all of this inspiration to be back in a group, to teach, to lead, and most of all, to manifest a new space somehow. And I don't know what that's going to look like or how or if or, you know, I have no clue. I just know I have that first little seed of motivation and inspiration of really wanting to create again. And that's a good sign. Like that means I'm over the hump of the worst of the of the sleep stuff. I know that. So yeah, isn't it kind of common though? I don't know. I feel like this happens almost every year in some shape or form. We start a new chapter. We begin a new year. And immediately there is an ending of some sort. Like immediately there is a closing of something. Um, similarly to how we do the processing of the year and then we set our intentions. Sometimes when we've anchored into the new thing we want to create, life realizes that, oh, this can't be created with all of this unfinished stuff that's going on over here. We got to put a, put an end to this or close this chapter and, and, and really have the energy and the space to begin anew. And I think that's what closing island yoga is for us in a sense, or has been for us in a sense. We moved from the island 2021. You know, we lost our house beginning 2021 and then came back to Aruba in the fall, had a few months there where Leah did one more term in, in school. 
And then, yeah, end of the year, December 2021, we moved to Sweden. And we left the studio not knowing what was going to happen. We knew we couldn't just close. There was no, it just didn't even feel like an option. We have such a thriving community and our amazing teachers. And that didn't make sense, you know, to just, just because we move, we're going to close. So we thought, okay, we're going to do our best and keep the studio open for as long as we possibly can. And when we get to a place where we can't anymore, where we're not breaking even at all, where we are, you know, financially can't swing keeping the studio open or if something unforeseen, you know, happened, like we'll, we'll see. And two whole years, like two whole years with the studio, keeping its doors open without us present. I mean, that's a huge feat from our local team on the ground and our teachers and especially Jess, anyone who's visited Island Yoga, you've met and practiced with Jess. She was our assistant for many, many years. She came to the studio when she was, she was a baby (laughs) and now she's blossomed into this amazing, not just an amazing teacher, but an amazing entrepreneur and manager of the studio. And just, she's basically run it by herself for the past two years with the teachers that we've had kind of come and go and, and, and be able to stay present for the community there. And she's done such an amazing job. And Dennis has done such an amazing job keeping things together from afar. And, and we've had months where it was like, okay, we probably aren't going to be able to swing another month. Like it's not going to happen. And then Dennis has worked some sort of miracle again and again. And it's like, okay, we can do it. Like six more months, let's go. But it wasn't like we thought we could keep Island Yoga open forever, living across the world, you know, not leading any retreats, not having any groups, me not teaching, not being present there. And it's a huge building. It's a really big property. It needs a lot of maintenance. It needs continuous investments. And we just haven't been able to to do it. And uh, so we knew eventually we're going to have to close. And for me, that idea was like, it's in a faraway land. It's over there. Sometime we'll, we'll close and they'll be okay. Like we've already moved. I've already let go. I've already moved on. That that was then, here is now. It's a new new kind of life. And when we made the decision, okay, January 2024 is going to be our last month. And we just, okay, we're going to announce to the world now that we're closing. It just hit me. It was like... <laughs> Yeah, it hit me like a like a ton of bricks. I was not prepared for how heartbroken I felt and how sad I've been and how oh, almost painfully nostalgic I've felt for those years when the studio really was peaking and you know, especially the pre-pandemic years where we were so busy and absolutely thriving and all the classes were full all the time and back-to-back groups and teacher trainings and so much joy in the studio, so much life in the studio. And I asked the community as we kind of said our goodbyes, you know, on the, in the online from, from Instagram and just saying, okay, we're closing. And if you have any memories from the studio, please share so I can see. I, I mean, so many people, hundreds of people posted photos and stories and friendships and how you know being there and being at island yoga and doing a training there or just taking a class or visiting how it changed their life somehow and how it became this place to make friendships that lasted for life that transcend everything you know island yoga became bigger than just the walls of the studio it became 
yeah, became this everlasting, beautiful thing. And in a way, it lives on through those friendships and through those connections and through the healing found there and through the magic of what we actually created. And that makes me feel just so comforted and calm. And yeah, I was worried I would feel like we failed. But then I was thinking about that, like, you know, we had this amazing place that we manifested out of nothing (laughs) and built from scratch from the ground up and this amazing place that was just thriving for so long and then continued to thrive even when we were not there or not thrive maybe but at least the community has been thriving yes business-wise or financially no but what matters is the community right and how amazing is that? That's not a failure. It really, it's really not. It feels so sad because it's the end of an era, but I really don't feel like we failed. I feel like we succeeded in so many beautiful ways. And when I was kind of, yeah, I had a couple of days of processing and oh, watching old videos and just crying and, you know, holding hands with Dennis, going over so many memories all of a sudden I found that, okay, those heavy feelings of nostalgia and also kind of like a feeling of FOMO almost, like I'm missing out on what could be. That was the feeling, not FOMO, like I was missing out on something that was already happening, but this feeling of I'm going to miss out on what island yoga could be if we only, like maybe we should, what if we move back to Aruba or we start doing groups there again, or we we rally, we somehow, we, we get a loan, we invest in the studio again, we figure it out somehow, we just, we push, we force, but it's not, it's, it's not right. You know, it's not where my energy is. It's not the direction where our lives are moving. Like we're not going to move back to the island and investing energy, money that we don't have, time, you know, in a place that we're not present in. It just doesn't make sense. And instead, I started feeling this this longing just for that magic again. And it doesn't have to be within the walls of island yoga. But I know we can create that feeling of community again. We can bring the community we already have back together again. And that special sort of magic, it's in the teaching and it's in the people. It's not in the four walls of a space, right? And we can do that again. And just the idea of that made me feel so inspired, so excited, so like, whoa, okay, what would that look like? Should we do something in Sweden? What would that be? And of course, I've had those thoughts since we moved here. Are we going to do retreats here? Like, I would love to teach here. I would love to show our international community Sweden. Like, that makes me really excited. So what would that, what would that be? And I've had those thoughts, but it hasn't been anything tangible and I haven't had the energy to actually carve out that idea and to, and to move on it because I, yeah, I haven't known what's the right thing. And it's not until now closing the studio that I real, realized that I am so ready to teach again and so excited and motivated and inspired. And yeah, and I, now I'm like, I don't know what to do with all of this inspiration. <laughs> I have a six-month-old that isn't sleeping and I've had to cut down on his naps. So before... At least I had twice a day, almost like two hours each time where I could, okay, take a bath or lie in bed staring at the ceiling, trying to nap (laughs) or open my computer and, you know, get some work done or, you know, make a Pinterest board or, you know, brainstorm. Like I had time, a little bit more time. 
Now this little man is allowed to sleep just one hour naps at a time. That's it. And, you know, that's basically enough time to like unload and reload the dishwasher and wipe down the counters and start making lunch. And then he's awake. (laughs) So I feel like I'm sitting with all of this inspiration now, but I don't have the logistics to, to, to do anything with it. And it's funny because now this morning, actually after this horrible movie, (laughs) this crazy dream I had, we're just sitting at the table. Dennis took time to work from home today so that I wouldn't have to feel alone in my sleep, sleep, sleepless haze. I said, I said, hey, should we think of like maybe getting some like child care? And he was like, yes. <laughs> I have suggested this many times. I have, he's really tried like, you know, we should get someone who can help out with the baby. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to give the baby to anyone for as long as I don't have to. And I don't have to right now. Like, no, like that seems strange and weird. And yeah, if my mom comes or our best friends come or my brother's here. Yeah. But that's not the same as getting help. But then this morning I was like, we should look into finding someone great, even if it's just once a week for a couple of hours. And then it was like, yes, that's a great idea. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. Let's see what we can find. Let's start putting some feelers out would be so good to have a pair of extra hands and then you do whatever you want with that time like you know go work out or go for a walk or drink tea or sit down and do some work or manifest some of the things that you're excited about now and that kind of feels fun yeah before today the idea of having childcare felt uh, like something I didn't want to do at all and didn't need to in that sense and now I'm like okay Maybe we do that and maybe we manifest some cool shit in 2024. And now this could also all just be sleep deprivation (laughs) talking. And in a week, I'm like back in my little pit of despair. And yeah, who knows? But it feels good to be inspired, even if it's just a little bit. It does. Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with their signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. 
All right, my loves. So we actually have an episode of Ask Rachel planned for today. I, I wasn't planning on talking this much before I dove into some questions, but I feel like I had a, yeah, I had some stuff to get off my off my chest. As usual, I have taken some questions from so many of you and I haven't heard these before. I don't know what they're about. Maybe they are completely synchronized as they often are, where it's just everything resonates so deeply and that makes me really excited to, <laughs> to talk to you. But yeah, let's take a first question and see what we get. Hi, Rachel. I am in the middle right now of your intention setting podcast, which first off, thank you. This is my second year of doing it. And wow, I just appreciate it so much. But I just got to the body section of the four parts, the body, the mind, the home, and I forget the other one right now. <laughs> I'm working through it. Um, and while it's probably taboo to stop my intention setting in the middle of my reflection, the body section reminded me of a question I had for you. I myself have gone in and out of practicing yoga throughout the years. And when I first started practicing yoga, you were really like one of the first people I found and that I followed who was into yoga and practicing it. So I followed you throughout all of the years and throughout my different phases of going in and out of yoga. And I would just love to know more about where your yoga practice is right now. Okay, thank you. Oh, thank you so much for doing the the intention setting practice. And I'm so happy it's serving you. Yeah, if I, uh, it's a really good question. Now that I'm sitting here, as I just shared, feeling really inspired to teach again. And for me, teaching and my home practice have always been fairly interwoven. I started feeling really, really, really motivated to practice in a more dynamic way. Um, when I was watching videos just of myself practicing in the Luna Shala, the way I used to feel so at home in my body. And I know that's not entirely always true. Like I know if I would zoom back to that time where my practice was very advanced and I was on the mat for hours a day, I had, I had my issues. I had pain. I had stuff going on. I, I don't think I've ever had long sections of time aside from when I've been pregnant, actually, where I normally just feel so at peace with my, my meat suit, so to speak. But I tend to romanticize my body when I look back, especially looking back at videos and photos and, oh, you know, those were the days and I felt so amazing all the time in my practice. And nah, I don't think that was true. I've always had stuff, you know, we all do. Um, but looking at so many old videos, I felt really motivated to step my practice up because for the past, let's say, mm, and it's not even since we moved to Sweden, a little bit before that. For the past, probably since the beginning of 2021, when I was really ill, from mold illness, actually, my practice has slowed way down. Before mold illness, which was yeah, end of 2020, 2021, kind of that, that era, area, I was at the studio practicing pretty much every single day. I would take a class every day. I had usually two moments where I was on my mat every day, and that practice was a very flowy, dynamic practice where I was, you know, there's jumps and handstands and chaturangas and 
I, I wasn't so into the inversions and, you know, super advanced asana the way I was a couple of years before that, but I still had that effortless ability to flow through those things in my practice. And where my yoga practice for me was a place where I went and I would sweat. It really was, uh, it was a workout, but I would never think of it as a workout. You know, it was I, 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 a place for me to really move. And then mold illness came, everything kind of stopped for me. I had, I was so ill, so sick, especially respiratory stuff. And my practice just started looking really differently from there, where I would roll out my mat and come to a couple of poses and maybe lie there and cry. Or I would come to my mat with pain in some part of my body and just focus on that. It just, it just started becoming more gentle, more soft, less, less movement, uh, which of course is still yoga. I mean, asana is just one of our limbs, right? And we tend to think of our yoga practice as that is the beginning and the end of everything. And for me, it opened doors to explore other areas of yoga that I had sort of, yeah, left behind a little bit in those years. But it just slowed down. And then we moved to Sweden. I lost the ability to go to a studio every day, which means I lost that routine of having my 90 minutes almost every day, no matter what. And I was sort of left with that that gentle practice that I would do at the end of the day or before bed. And that became sort of my everything. And yeah, for the past two years, I still come to my mat, not every day, but maybe four or five times a week. And I'll spend maybe half an hour on my mat, usually going into the parts of my body that feel really tense and really tight from co-sleeping with a baby or from not sleeping at all. Like almost every morning I wake up feeling, I feel like a truck has hit me every morning. I feel everything hurts, everything aches from just, yeah, from not getting any sleep, from lying there twisting and turning and keeping my body frozen in a shape where the baby is kind of curled into my armpit. And once he falls asleep, I just make myself sleep if I can, whatever shape I'm in. Like I'm very deeply uncomfortable all night and I wake up in just aching. So I'll come to my mat sort of as a remedy for that, which is different. That feeling of, oh, I have to, I have to stretch. I have to get into these poses because I, everything hurts versus I roll out my mat every day and that's what I do. That's just my discipline. It's no matter what the day is, here I am. Let's go. And I feel, I'm feeling great. Let's roll out my mat and move. I'm feeling terrible. Let's roll out my mat and move. Whatever's happening, I'm just on the mat every day. That's not the same thing now. Now it's more like, a, oh, I have to get there because I don't know how to make it. <laughs> so it's a, it's a different kind of practice. And it's not a disciplined practice the way it used to be for me anymore. Um, but then yesterday, I, the baby fell asleep and I had an hour. I was like, what am I going to do? And then I went to yogagirl.com and I chose an hour practice and I just flowed. And it was a vinyasa flow style, just sweatier, more dynamic practice that I don't generally do that much of anymore. And kind of halfway through, we were doing like kind of warrior two to side angle stuff. And I realized like, this is so tight for me. Just for me, a reverse warrior. <laughs> was so painful for me yesterday. And that was, you know, just this very fundamental, basic, everyday kind of pose, just stretching into that. Yesterday, my hips hurt, my lower back hurt, my neck hurt, even my wrist, I have something going on. Like, I think I've, I fall asleep, like holding bare weirdly sometimes. I don't know what's going on with my body. I basically feel like my, 
my body like I'm one of those, I need to be put back together. Like I'm not assembled, right? (laughs) That's what it feels like right now. And I'm in this shape doing these poses that I know so well and this practice that I know so well. And it just feels so different. And at the end of that practice yesterday, I felt I didn't have that shavasana like, oh my God, thank God, an hour yoga practice that was so amazing. No, I was lying there kind of like, whoa, this is so hard for me right now. And it really is. It's so hard. Everything kind of hurts. And (laughs) that's just what my practice is right now. And I think as long as I have some sort of tether to the practice, like I'm never going to lose it. It's just, it it is a part of my life. It's always going to be there. But I might have more and more space between the practices. I might practice less and less often. And I might opt for something else instead of where before I would choose the mat over everything all the time. Now I might choose to go and sit and do my tea ceremony, or I might go and do a cold plunge, or I might sit down and do arts and crafts with Leia. Like I might choose something different when I have a little window for connection, for self-care, for whatever it is I'm trying to achieve, where before I would always choose the practice. So yeah, it is different. And that's also why over the past few years, I share much less of my practice. Um, I have no longing anymore. The idea to put up my camera and take a photo of myself in a pose or, you know, I have, it's, it's just, it's like, I don't even think about it. It's not something I do anymore, Um, which is so different from what I used to share. And people comment that a lot. Like, why don't you share more yoga stuff? Well, one, I do less yoga. And two, the yoga I do now, because I don't feel the same, I, to me, it's like something that I, it's too personal for me to share. It's, yeah, it doesn't, does, it's just not something I want to share anymore. And uh, I would love to get back to that place of feeling so feeling that sense of flow in my body that I used to always come to. And I know if I would just practice probably give me a couple of weeks of having that moment on the mat every day, I would get back there very quickly. But my life doesn't look like that right now. So I'm not going to put that expectation on myself either. But I do wish there was a studio here. I wish there was a place for me to just walk around the corner or drive a couple minutes and then roll up my mat and that I had that feeling of, yeah, a studio to come home to. Because I really, I really need that right now. (laughs) I think for me to get back to a practice that feels more like flow, I would need a teacher, I would need a community, I would need a place to go. It's not going to happen on my own in my living room with this aching, sleep-deprived body. No. So yeah, that's my practice. And uh, I'm sure that resonates with some of you or, or, or many of you. And I think we are so allowed to go through different kinds of seasons where we change and where things change and where our practice changes. And it doesn't mean it's bad or something is wrong. It means we have changed and our circumstances have too. And uh, maybe I'll get to a place soon where my body doesn't ache this way, where I'm sleeping again, where, yeah, you know, I end up in another season and all of a sudden I'm going to feel differently in my body and it's going to accelerate into something else. But for now, this is what is. So thank you for asking. Let's take the next question. Hi, Rachel. This is Ellie. 
I'm calling to get your, like, top three, like, preparation tips for birth and becoming a new mother, like, you know, um, either a book that I should read or a product that would be helpful or anything like that, like, maybe, like, your top three things. There's just so much information out there, and I really love the kind of ways that you've done birth and new motherhood. Um, so would love your advice on what are those things that can't be missed. Um, hope you are well. Thank you. Oh, hi. Congratulations. Such an exciting threshold to be at. Wow. When you said, okay, top three things, top three things, I'm like, okay, let me find three things. I, I can just think of one thing <laughs> right now. Wait, maybe Bear is waking up and then I'm going to have to pause a little bit here. Yeah, I can just think of one thing. <laughs> it's probably going to turn into many things. But the reason I can only think of one thing right now that I really want to share with you is that this thing is so important and it's so bypassed in our prenatal care. It's bypassed in our just conversations around birth and becoming a mom. And it's something that I feel like this, our part of the of society just completely flunks out at. And that is postpartum care. You, if I were you, <laughs> if I could give advice and, 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 and really know that this is going to land and, 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 and if it's something that you can really act on, I would plan to have two months after having given birth, where you are so absolutely supported in every way possible to the, to the extent where you don't have to leave bed if you don't want to. <laughs> and I know this sounds maybe extreme to some people and, you know, you, you see, you know, moms give birth and then a couple of days later, they're up out and about and going for walks and stuff like that. Just the toll that pregnancy and giving birth has on your pelvic floor on your physical body. You need to stay horizontal for as long as you can for your pelvic floor to heal. And the moment you are on your feet and upright, all the weight of the inner organs, the weight of gravity, the weight of your entire body is going to be sitting on that pelvic floor that just went through the world's wildest, most, you know, uprooting experience ever. And when you are on your feet, you make that healing yeah, takes so much longer. And it makes it so that recovery is going to be something that might go on for years versus something that happens slowly within the first year. So what do you need to be able to stay in bed with your baby so that you can literally only focus at least for the first few weeks, say the first month, first six weeks, to stay in bed for as much as you possibly can, naked, skin to skin with your baby with nothing to worry about, aside from resting and breastfeeding. Like if you imagine that scenario, what has to happen for that to actually exist, for that to actually be? And uh, asking for help, you know, if you have the funds, hiring a postpartum doula, um, if you don't have the funds for that, can you prep in advance and freeze as much food as possible so you don't have to be on your feet cooking? Can you ask your community and your friends and family to bring food can you have someone present in the house for a couple of hours every day to help you with the laundry and the cleaning? Can you 
get enough support from your partner and your person emotionally and logistically with all of these things so that you don't have to focus on anything other than just rest and this brand new life that you have to tend to. Because those first few weeks following labor, that those first few weeks in the transition of being a new mom, they sort of make or break, not just our you know, the rest of our postpartum time, but our our whole ability to step into that new version of ourselves. It's so big. There is nothing bigger and nothing harder and nothing that, you know, depletes us more and also requires us to, to have this fullness of being able to just give everything we are and everything we have. And the mother, the new mother just needs so much, so much. Yeah, I would like... <laughs> Put a little kettle next to your bed so you can make yourself tea without having to get out of bed. You know, put a little hot plate next to bed so you can eat food if you need to. Put a little refrigerator there so you can have um, fruits or food or whatever. Like, how can you make it so, even if you're alone, which I don't know if you are, that you don't have to leave the bedroom? And um, when you have to leave the bedroom so that you can get back to the bedroom as soon as possible and just really slow down that recovery. That's my advice <laughs> because it's so much bigger than we think. And even now, like when I look back at the, the first month after having Bear and all the preparations I made and all the time I spent talking about this and prepping Dennis, I still would have wanted more support. Like really, when I look back at it now, I wish I had, I wish I could have spent a couple more weeks in bed. I really do. I wish I had more warm, nourishing meals ready. I wish I didn't have to get out of bed so much. I wish I didn't have to walk the stairs. And that just sort of happened because life and we have Leia and, you know, it's, 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 it, it is what it is. But if we have a third one, which Dennis says, if, if I want to have a third baby, he wishes me and my next, my next husband lots of love and luck. He doesn't want more kids. But if we were to have a third, I would probably either ask my best friend or one of my siblings or my mom, I would ask some third party person to move in with us for a month. Or I would hire a postpartum doula if I could find one, which is they're, they're kind of hard to find. Um, and I would make sure I wouldn't have to get out of bed for six weeks. That's how I would do it. And I would take that recovery so seriously. So yeah, that's my advice to you. And the other thing is, if we're going to go to like the top three things, I would go to therapy and stay in therapy. Um, there's nothing that is more helpful to mothering than taking care of all the ways and how we were not mothered when we needed to be when we were little. Because those are the things that are going to show up in our parenting. Those are the things that are going to be hard. It's not our ability to love and mother our babies, but all the wounds that are going to come up inside of us of how we were not, how we did not have our needs met the way the way we needed that to, them to when we were when we were little so that inner work is 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 crucial and it's it's absolutely everything and then in terms of you said gadgets or something to buy or something like that like no there's there's nothing there's nothing i can think of other than than rest and recovery and having some support with the with with your inner world and your emotional heart i hope this is helpful and not to uh, not too intense for you to hear, but congratulations on your little one and uh, so much love to you. Hi, Rachel. 
so my name is Franca. I live in Amsterdam and I've been following you for, I think, over like 10 years for sure, like 11 years or something. Um, you inspired me so much. I moved to Europe from Canada when I was 19 and you just kind of like gave me so much, so much strength in that process. And I'm so grateful for your work. And yes, my question is, um, might seem a bit random. But I was wondering, do you still use CBD oil? And if so, what is um, your experience with it? And what kind of, oil, of CBD oil do you use? Do you use like a full spectrum or a broad spectrum? And how does it um, affect your day-to-day -day life? I know you used to use it, but I wonder if you still do. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much for asking this question. And while very synchronistic that you're asking me about CBD, because I am literally covered in CBD head to toe <laughs> right now. I really am. I wake up in the morning, as I've said, with just aches and pains. And I have this amazing CBD roller. It's like a roll on that I use on aching muscles. And I use the full spectrum on my body just in the morning when I wake up. And then before bed, I have the CBN, which is really good for sleep. And I use that roller on my hips and on my glutes. And I ask Dennis to put it on my lower back and sometimes on my neck. And it's one of my favorite pain relief tools that I have. I don't know if I have anything that works as well in my little toolbox for pain as CBD. I work with a company called Nuvita, N-U-V-I-T-A. Um, so anyone listening, if you want to shop, they obviously, they don't ship to Sweden. Uh, Sweden does not allow. Sweden is tricky with CBD. Um, I think you can get the THC free versions. If you want to ingest it, you can get that here. I have the THC free versions as well. Um, but the most potent, especially if you're ingesting it and you want it to work internally, uh, is the combination of THC and CBD. And it's just impossible to, to ship to Sweden. Um, but if you're in Amsterdam, you can definitely find it there. I'm sure they have I mean, so many brands in, in, in the Netherlands. And I know Nuvida, they ship all across the States and to Canada. Yeah, you can use my code. My code is Yoga Girl. gives you a discount and gives me a kickback. I'm an affiliate with them. And I have been for a lot of years. It's a friend of mine who runs that business. It's female run and just incredibly sourced and just the best on the market. But yeah, I swim in CBD. <laughs> literally. Um, so I use it for pain relief and in combination with red light therapy, I, I, it's magic. Or in combination just with heat, like using it and then taking a bath or using it and going into the sauna, I find really amazing. For ingesting, like for the little droppers. Uh, so for a long time, I used CBG whenever I had asthma. And that's really badass. I, 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 I can't even tell you. So the CBG works really well for inflammation and supportive for a lot of chronic, um, a lot of chronic illness. So many people have had so much relief through CBG. So I would use that. And when I was traveling, I used it a lot. Or if I was feeling stressed or, you know, anytime I would get asthma, I would take CBG instead. And then the CBN is for sleep. It's the best, most potent um, for sleep. And then the full spectrum, it's like that everyday, day to day. Um, but I really love Nuvita's stuff. They also have gummies and, and things like that. But here in Sweden, I'm mostly using the roll-ons and the topical, uh, the topical CBD instead of ingesting it since we can't source it and it's not legal here. 
But if you're in the US, you're in Canada, yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome, <laughs> really. Um, and there's so many studies on it now on how it's so potent and such a healing plant. It is the most healing plant. And it's so sad that Sweden doesn't just recognize the healing powers of the plant, um, but they demonize it so badly. They put it in the same category as really awful drugs. And yeah, Sweden is really tricky with CBD still. Unfortunately, I hope that's going to change and that Sweden's going to catch up with the rest of the world. But you're lucky you live in Amsterdam, so you can source it there. Um, yeah, it's definitely a, a tool I have in my healing kit that I return to again and again. Hi, Rachel. It's Amanda calling from Canada, and I love you so much. I have followed you since I found you on Tumblr. <laughs> so and you were, like, working at a yoga resort. It was so long ago. I feel like I know you. But I was hoping to get some advice. I run a yoga teacher training, and um, I know you have one as well. And it is just my pride and joy. It's my most favorite thing to do in the entire world. But I hate the idea and the thought of marketing my yoga teacher training on Instagram. I don't want to post videos and pictures of me doing yoga. It just doesn't feel like an authentic way to market it. And I'm curious as to how you would go about filling your teacher training or talking about your teacher training in a maybe an unconventional way that is just not what we see marketing as today. Oh, what a badass question. I love it. Um, I cannot believe you <laughs> followed me since my Tumblr days. That is not yesterday. That is like 13 years ago or some crazy shit. Wow. I wonder if that Tumblr still exists. I have to go look. <laughs> Hi, thanks for sticking around for that long. Very cool. Um, so yeah, kudos to you, first of all, for just sticking with your own integrity and wanting to do what feels really right and true and good. And I believe when it comes to marketing, this is the way you have to go about it. If you have even one single feeling of ick, one single feeling of, ugh, I don't love, I don't love it doing it this way. And then you're trying to use that vessel that doesn't feel great or that way that isn't 100% aligned to sell something or to present something to the world that is aligned, it's going to muddy those waters. And all of a sudden, you might find your whole thing out of alignment. Like, really, that's that's how it works. So awesome. Epic. And yeah, I truly cannot think of a more boring way to sell a yoga teacher training than with just photos of asana and videos of just people on a mat. Like, no. I mean, yes, you, you'll be amongst, I don't know, hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of people who are doing things that way. I don't know how many how many teacher trainings there are in the world, but so many, so many. And um, first of all, what I would really go to here is you mentioned a little bit right at the very beginning of your question, you don't feel so good about marketing it, like it's it's hard for you to market um, so I'm wondering, is it hard for you to market because you have this idea that you have to market it with your body or you have to use photos or videos of your own practice to market it and that's why it doesn't feel good to market? Or is it marketing overall or selling overall that just doesn't feel good? Because I, I can resonate with that feeling, the idea of of selling, the idea of selling anything. 
uh, for a really long time, I hated that feeling. I I wouldn't even use the word marketing or sales or, ooh, you know, I was really like, no, no, if anyone feels intuitively drawn to what I do, <laughs> then come on over here with your energy and we'll just like link up. But that's not selling. <laughs> it's like, if I put my stuff in the world, it's going to align and end up on the same path as the people who are wanting to be attracted to that. And it will just all work out. And yeah, sometimes that's that's true. And, and, and you know, it's a very hippy-dippy way of looking at stuff. But Actually, honestly, if you have created something that you have put your whole heart into, that you can really stand behind, that when you look at this thing, this product, because it is a product, it's a service, it's something that you are selling the same way every single person out there doing anything worthwhile has to sell their stuff to make ends meet and to go around. You're not in the business of giving everything you do away for free. You're not in the business of not being able to pay your own rent. You are not in the business of struggling to, to make to make your life work. Why would you be? You are in the business of abundance and in the business of sharing your craft and your passion and in the business of enriching people's lives and doing something worthwhile and valuable and living a real true purpose. Like that's what you want to be doing. And to get that out into the world and to connect with the people who really need it and want it, you have to sell. That's just what it is. And I think we need to reframe this idea we have as selling as bad. Money, bad. Sales, bad. Marketing, bad. It's just this, I don't know, I think it's something that is really pushed toward women to keep us really small and to keep us from being able to take up enough space in these areas to keep us from really claiming what is rightfully ours. Like we are all, you know, that Marianne Williamson quote about, you know, we're not scared of the darkness, we're scared of our own light and really being in our own greatness. I think there's so much truth in that. And that the fear of putting ourselves way out there and actually standing up in our own worth and saying, hey, this is what I'm worth. This is what this thing costs and here is how I'm going to deliver it to you. It takes really feeling comfortable in your own skin, right? And it takes really knowing and understanding your own value. And whatever clearing work has to happen there, because that's all inner work, right? Around worth, self-worth. I think it's really worth doing while you're on this journey of wanting to put your stuff out there in the world. I mean, look at any average man, just average. Look at the confidence of any average white male out there in the world who just wakes up in the morning, has an average idea about some stupid fucking thing they want to do, and they, there's, they, they just go do it <laughs> with this entitled feeling of everyone's going to love this. You know how many men walk around that way every day of their life? So many. <laughs> and I know I sound really like this like I'm a man-hating person. I'm not, but there is so much average bullshit out there being sold so confidently by men where they would never think to second-guess themselves, where they would never pause and go, well, wait, what if someone thinks that I'm too much by putting this out there? Ooh, what if someone thinks I'm overpricing myself? Ooh, what if someone thinks that I'm taking up too much space or I'm being too loud here? I'm too confident. Like they don't think that way because they're not conditioned to, th to be small. They're conditioned to be great and that everything is always going to be awesome and every, everyone's going to love them no matter what and don't worry. 
And we have to bust through that. <laughs> we have to get to the level of the average <laughs> of the average white man in our extraordinary feminine magic, like truly. So there is something there to be said around just our inner critical voice around what we are worth and how much we are worth and how much space we are allowed to take up in the world. And if you find yourself on a path where you can do some healing work around that, I definitely would because there's stuff there in the way for all of us. I have it too. Constantly, anything I have ever sold, any teacher training, any retreat, any class, any product, any book, anything, anything I have ever put out in the world ever, I mean, really beginning with the first thing I ever sold, which is probably just um, come to my yoga class, right? Just like you know, being paid cash on the beach. I have had other people in my life try to convince me to charge more. <laughs> and I have always gone, no, 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 no. But I want everybody to be able to come. No, but that's too much. No, no, it's okay. No, no, but that they can come for free or we can do a trade or we can. I, I really started off with that very apologetic, almost like, oh, I'm so sorry I'm charging for this versus, hey, here's this thing I have invested time, money, energy, my whole heart into it's awesome. Here is how much it's worth. Here's how much I want to be paid in return for this to feel good for all parties involved. It took me a very long time to get there. Really, really a very long time. And it's something that I will always kind of have to keep in check because I have that inner voice telling me, "Ooh, but no, 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 you can't take up that much space. You can't be that demanding, you know. So you have this amazing thing that you're doing that you really stand behind you deserve to get paid to do that. You deserve to have that training full and filled. And just the same way big corporations out there are charging wild amounts of money for these kinds of things. Um, and no one bats an eye, right? No one ever goes to those huge companies and goes, oh, that's too much money, or how can they charge that much? But they tend to do that when it's like a single woman or a solo female entrepreneur putting uh, a dollar amount on something, they tend to look at it and go, oh, how, how can she do that? Who does she think she is? Like you are so, so, so worthy of receiving what you feel that this is worth in return. And once you start going about ways to communicate what this training actually brings in terms of feeling what this training is going to bring a person in terms of connection, in terms of growth, in terms of transformation, in terms of friendship, in terms of community. You have to find what is that unique selling point that your training has in terms of how it feels to be present there. And how can you communicate that feeling versus the look of a person doing yoga on a mat? Because it's, it's kind of, I, it's catchy and it's interesting, but it's also surface, right? That feeling of the look of a human moving their body and like, oh, I want to move that way or, oh, I want to look that way, which I think is, is, is how a lot of trainings are being sold now. Maybe if I did more yoga, I would be thinner or I would be more flexible or I would be more, you know, look like I'm more at peace or have my shit together. But you want those people who are really looking for the nitty gritty real shit, right? You want the people looking for the transformation who are in it for the real reasons. And there are ways to communicate that feeling that isn't just a yoga pose on a yoga mat. And how exactly that's going to look, I, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I would definitely go for feeling versus aesthetic here. 
And any, you know, when I think of courses that I pay for, courses that I take, trainings that I take, there's nothing more powerful than hearing another person share their experience, if it was positive, of course, of, of having gone through that same thing. I think we still, we undervalue the, the power of word of mouth, the power of a regular old testimonial, like really someone else saying, hey, I did this and shit, it changed my life. That goes a lot further than having some very edited yoga video, you know, put out there through Facebook ads or something. So I would just, I would, I would, I don't know, I would get more intimate in my brainstorming and in my thinking of how to market this. I would get a little bit more personal. I would go more into the, the feeling of it, more into, into what the actual value of the training is, which of course is more than just having 200 hours of training under your belt, right? There's something really deep there, which I don't know exactly what it is, but I think you're on the right path, even asking these questions. And um, yeah, I hope you, I hope you charge enough and I hope you feel really confident selling your own amazing work. And I hope anyone listening, you know, whatever it is you're selling, whatever thing it is you are sharing with the world that you also feel inspired to be on the path of really valuing yourself and selling and marketing your yourself without shame, without holding back. Yeah. Okay. That was a soapbox moment. Good luck. Thank you so much for, for being here. And uh, yeah, keep me posted on how it goes. Let's take one more question. Hi, Rachel. I am a huge fan. I listen every week. I've been following you for years now. And I had a question because I saw that you just decided to officially close Island Yoga. And I have been having some feelings around navigating change and knowing when to let something go, um, trying to decipher when blocks are coming up to show us how resilient we are and when they're coming to tell you that it's time um, to reroute and choose a new direction. So I was just wondering how you kind of navigated um, putting years into something and working really hard towards something and then changing your mind and letting it go, um, what that process was like for you and how you came to that decision. Um, I'd love to hear more. Thank you so much for everything you do. All the best. Hi. Oh, thank you for asking. I feel like I answered a little bit of this at the beginning of the podcast, but just on the topic of letting go and knowing when it's time and knowing how and if it's the right thing to do, um, this particular decision we sat with back and forth for so long that after a while, I actually... I started feeling a little bit detached from it. Like I was almost not actually present with what I wanted. And um, there were times where just the idea of closing felt so, so overwhelming and so sad and like the absolutely wrong thing to do. And there were times where the idea of closing felt like it would be a relief and it would open up doors for new opportunities and like it's just the sensible right thing to do. So something that I did, I mean, particularly with a studio here, because, we, you know, just black and white, we could not afford to stay open anymore. We were not breaking even. And it was just something that it would have, 
we would have had to either implement a massive change and start investing in the studio, investing our time, investing our energy, investing money, and really kind of rally and fight. You know, it was it would have had to be an effort to really, okay, project, keep the studio doors open, project, let's let's go island yoga again, you know, channeling our energy into the studio space again. It, it was either that or close. There was no option where we could just keep things going the way they were, right? So what I did to, to try to get to a place of clarity, and this is something that I do quite often when it comes to making a difficult decision or when I'm at a fork in the road, is I sat down and I visualized the two options that I had here. And I try to really put myself in the feeling of what it would be like to actually go down either of these paths and just to feel the resonance of my immediate gut response to what it would be like to be in that place. So I visualized, okay, like let's, it is so sad to close the studio. It is so much work, so much time, so much love poured here. How sad is it to just let all of that go? And what's going to happen with the community and what's going to happen with our staff and what's going to happen with the building and what, you know, so many questions, so much sadness. Okay, so we rally. And I really thought about that. Okay, we rally. What does that look like? Okay, it means we need to invest in the studio. We need to, we need to find money. We need to source money somehow. Okay, how would I go about, go about doing that? And how would it feel to source and look for and try to gather an investment for island yoga? How does it feel? Just the idea of doing that. And I would just sink into that place a little bit. And then to fight for the studio, okay, it means like we need to be in Aruba. We need to go there more often. What would that look like? Would we move back? Ooh, no, that's not a like immediate feeling of no, 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 no. I, I know I don't want to do that. Okay, so that's not an option. My whole body tells me no. So I know we're not going to live in Aruba. I know we're going to live in Sweden. This is where we want to be. So how would we fight for the studio from afar? And then I ran through the scenarios. Okay, well, I could start doing retreats. Say we book a couple of retreats at the studio and we fill them. I know we could sell them. We could fill them. People would be so excited to have a retreat there again. I know we could recreate that feeling again. I know it would be exciting to teach again. But then I put myself in that place of being at the studio, leading that retreat, knowing that the studio is not what it was. We don't have the same team anymore. I don't have the same energy anymore. Um, a lot of things we would have to start up from scratch without having any idea of if it would work or how it would go about. And just the thought of being in the midst of working through those logistics, how to make it work, gave me this feeling of, it just made me really tired. As I was visualizing myself, just kind of pulling at all those threads, like trying to rally together retreats, it made me tired. The idea of going to Aruba a couple times a year for that reason, like to save the studio, to fight. It just, it made, it, it gave me this immediate feeling of just exhaustion and I wasn't even doing anything. And, and a bit of just, like I started feeling stuck. Okay, this is not a joyful path. It was not the feeling of, ooh, let's rally a retreat and let's make magic again. And no, it, it didn't bring that energy. It brought that energy of like, oh, survival, like, you know, having to climb a mountain to see if we could make the studio like, you know, stay open another another year. 
when I put myself, the more and more I visualize different kinds of scenarios of what I would be doing and feeling myself in that place, I didn't feel a feeling of joy. I didn't feel a feeling of, re- of relief. I didn't feel a feeling of flow. It just felt like an uphill climb and it felt like tiredness and it felt like pushing. It felt like forcing something that, yeah, maybe there is a chance we could turn things around, but it would require so much of me. And it's a path and a direction that my life isn't moving in right now. But it wasn't until I actually visualized myself in those places that I could feel the resonance of that in my body. And it was just, no, no. It didn't feel like a yes, it felt like a no. And then I visualized the opposite way, the other path, you know, the other fork in the road or the other direction where, okay, we let go. We close, we say goodbye. And then I had that immediate like heart twinge of oh the pain of that. And I'm not there. I'm not there to teach a final class. I'm not there for a final practice. I'm not there to kiss every wall of the studio goodbye. I'm not there. I'm not there. Just like, hug the people goodbye. I'm not there. And that really felt like pain, like sadness. But it didn't feel like pain that came with a no. It felt like a pain that came with a yes a pain that came with a feeling of relief. And the more I sat with that, the more I visualized that, and I would go a little bit further into my visualization of, okay, months have passed now, the studio is closed. We visit Aruba to go on vacation or to see family, and we go there and it's closed and you know no one's there and there's a big for sale sign and it's quiet. And, and I put myself in that place of just looking at the studio from the outside in, and it felt like peace. It felt like, oh, we created something so beautiful there. And now that journey has come to an end, and that feeling felt like peace. And that's how I knew, okay, I can go this route and I can fight, and it still feels like a no in my body. Or I can go this route and it's painful and it's sad, but it feels like relief. And um, it's just intuitively was the right thing to do. And it doesn't mean that I got to avoid the pain, right? Because sometimes we can try to go that route of, okay, let's go to, let's go to path of least pain, <laughs> the path of least discomfort, you know, which might in this case might have been to fight and fight and let's go and let's rally. But it wasn't the right thing. And, and feeling that pain is part of the process of letting go. It's part of remembering the love that we created there and the effort that was poured into that place and part of the process of closing that chapter is being in the pain. And that doesn't mean that the pain is bad or that the pain means it's the wrong thing to do. No, I think actually the pain means it's the right thing to do. And now, you know, it's been a few days since we announced. It's been a few days since I was yeah, in the kind of depths of all of those feelings. And right now I still feel sad. I still go back and forth. I'm still in my mind about it, but it's it still feels like it was the right thing to do. And I think whenever we're at a fork in the road and, you know, we have to make that decision of, is it, is it time to say goodbye? Is it time to let go? Visualize yourself in that place of either fighting to continue or in that place of having let go. And even if both things feel painful, both things feel hard, both, both things might feel impossible, there is a chance that intuitively you're going to have that sense of a yes or a no one is going to feel like it makes more sense for the path that you're on right now. And the cool thing about letting go, really, is if 
time or circumstances align at another time in our life or later on or next week or years from now, we can pick it back up. Like that's the coolest thing about life is the possibility of starting over and starting again. And Leia actually was the one who told me, mom, mom, first she was really sad. Her first thing when we told her the studio is going to close, she said, what, what about all the kids in kids yoga? She said, where are all the kids going to go for kids yoga? And we said, kids yoga, they're still going to get to go to class. They're just going to find another place to be. And then she said, what about Jess? Where's Jess going to teach? And I said, Jess is going to find another place to teach and she's going to bring all the people with her. Don't worry. And then she was kind of cal- calmed down a little bit. I said, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then she told me, you know, if we ever move back to Aruba or we go there again for a long time, we can always open again. Or maybe we can open an island yoga here. And when she said that, it was like a healing thing for her to tell herself, I think. She felt this matter of fact, like, oh, we can always do it again. And then she kind of like smiled and like moved on with her moment. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) she's so right. I mean, she said this is like a very six-year-old way of phrasing it, but she's so right. And I told Dennis, hey, if we want to open again one day, like we're trying to sell the studio. Um, If anyone listening to this podcast right now has a dream of opening a studio in Aruba or in the Caribbean, we have a magic place just waiting for someone to take over, right? That's the dream to have someone buy the property who wants to continue and can keep the community in place that would be magical so far we haven't had any offers from anything anything even remotely like that but that would be the dream but it is for sale we're hoping to sell but I said I told Dennis maybe we don't sell and we just sit on the property for a long time and maybe in a few years we actually reopen like who knows where life is going to take us or maybe we open an island yoga in Sweden like how cool would that be and then we started talking about that and like ah. And the more I talked about it, the more it felt like that the magic is not just in the four walls of that place. The magic is in the people. And we can start again. And whatever thing you're wondering if it's right or wrong or the right time or the wrong time to let go of, if you let go and you arrive at that place, you can start again. You can start anew. You know, very, very few things in life are the end of a road or completely irreversible right? Things change all the time. And um, something is depleting you or feeling so heavy that you're walking around contemplating letting it go. Chances are you've already started to. Anyway, that's my two cents. Okay, so many beautiful questions today. Thank you so much for calling me. Thank you so much for checking in, for listening, for being here. I hope you have a beautiful week ahead. I wish you lots of beautiful, good, restful sleep. I wish you lots of letting go and um, yeah, just a beautiful couple of days ahead. I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.